Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John, and joining us this week from the land down under or the upside down, depending on which nomenclature you'd like to use, is the one and only Adam, words per minute, Camillary. And I normally, this would be the point in the podcast where I'd say, joining us as always is the Tom Brady of Warhammer 40k, but unfortunately Nick is not feeling a little under the weather, so we got John Lennon to step in, which I actually think is an upgrade, but low-key, please don't tell Nick, because I'd prefer not to hurt his feelings. <laughs> That's okay, we know Nick will not listen to his own podcast. <laughs> that is 100% true. As always, this is part one of the podcast where we're going to break down a Dark Angels list. We're going to go through it soup to nuts. Why is everything in there? You know, What's the overall strategy? You can think about part one here as our macro discussion on why the list was put together the way it is. And then in part two, which is only available to our patrons or people that subscribe over at theartofwar40k.com, we will get into the tactics. So we will, we will actually talk about matchups, specific stratagems, and sort of the nitty-gritty, dirty details of optimal play with the list. So, John, how are you? Why don't you go ahead, introduce us to Adam. I don't think you need a huge introduction. You're like one of the best-known names in 40K. I mean, you may not be Tom Brady, but maybe you're Aaron Rodgers, right? So. <laughs> well, I, I, don't know who, I don't know who Madden is, but someone called me the, the Madden of 40K during the LVO stream in 2020. <laughs> that, that's not good, dude. I don't so, know who, I don't uh, know who that is. <laughs> John, just as a quick aside, just for John Madden is a famous football announcer who used to work the Telestrator, yep. and he used to just ramble like oh, <laughs> ramble. No, that's that's actually so apt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about some Darkest of Angels. Yeah, so I'm. Uh, I've, I've been playing. Well, you know, Dark Angels came out. I'm a Dark Angels player. They're, they're my second fiddle or equal love with the Guard, and so they've been um, pretty much my focus for most of Ninth Edition. Especially seeing as Guard is in not the not not as worse a place as people think, but they're in they're not in the greatest place. On top of that, I, I'm just really enjoying space like Dark Angels being playable. So yeah, I've been. I think I've been on this podcast to talk about Guard in Ninth Edition. Sorry, talk about Dark Angels in Ninth Edition already. So please forgive me if I rehash anything. But it's the first time since we've had a Codex, baby, and uh, I am smashing away with games. I think I've, I've dropped one game with Guard at tournaments so far. Uh, pretty pretty proud of that. But mind you, I, that was at the at the Australian Masters. But yeah, I know John. Um, is well, both both of the Johns I'm with right now, are both Dark Angels players. So it's actually pretty funny. Absolutely, we have. I think just everyone here plays Dark Angels. You know, we get the, the full sweep on uh, on Dark Angel players right now. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hot and heavy knowledge flown here. Yeah, well, true story. My very first army was Dark Angels. I was all in because of the White Terminators. Uh, one little John who was like, I don't know. I think I got in when I was 17 years old or whatever, uh, a long yeah. time ago. Oh, I'm just the power gamer, actually. Well, so Dark Angel. So when I painted my first snap fit, you know the the 
the second or third edition uh, Space Marines. It was literally just a Space Marine, and he pushed the bolter into his hands. There was like the push fit Space Marine. And uh, that, that guy, that very first model I painted, I ever painted, ever put, first time I ever put paint on a model in a sitting in a G'd up, was Dark Angels Green or Caliban Green back then. And yeah, slapped on one coat with no and with no undercoat under it and uh, thought it looked awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, Dark Angels are pretty close to my heart in a lot of ways. But I'm here to talk about a teams list. And this is a, this is a preemptive chat because uh, the list I'm playing right now is uh, a list I'm playing in Teams event, essentially the weekend after this one comes out. So you'll be able to see some real life um, data on it post, essentially post-production, post-episode. But this is based off a very you know, applicable um, bit of knowledge. I don't know how you guys feel are feeling about or how the, you guys are getting a, the, your your finger on the pulse of the community right now. But a lot of people th- are thinking that Dark Angels is like the the fun sponge. I don't think fun has anything to do with Dark Angels, actually. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. It's just it's a foreign foreign concept. Uh, and so, yeah, this list is very much made in that vein. Right on. So when you, when you say fun, Sponge, are you saying that you're going to deny your opponents the ability to have fun? Uh, not so much. I'm just going to make – I'm, I'm going to do my best to make them irrelevant. Um, I'm going to play in, in such a manner and design a list in such a manner that my score is so ridiculously plottable and so – absurdly hard to stop that um it's not going to be enjoyable to interact with and this is specifically made for a very competitive teams event so please don't don't take this don't take this to heart that this this might work this may be an applicable army in every single setting it's going to do exceptionally well in singles as there's no doubt about it um it is there's dark angels after all but yeah this is this exists so that when people look at the matchup in the pairings process like when when the captains look at this and people have to mark down uh their traffic lights or whatever as as you guys probably know at home in, in teams events you'll go through uh an opposition team's lists uh, and you'll mark them you know if you're doing traffic light system it'll be a red yellow green green as in you're more, more than likely going to going to beat them red more than likely going to lose yellow either it's up, it's up in the air so this is designed to be like nobody can green this Zero people can put a green on this. Um, even the people who are designed to beat it can only probably put a yellow. Right on. Do you think that uh, Dark Angels in general are a fun sponge, or is this just this specific monster that you've created here? I think there are. I think Dark Angels are far and are far and away um, an incredibly well-rounded army, an incredibly well-rounded internally balanced faction. Uh, but I think that if you take a Deathwing primary or a majority Deathwing army, generally it's going to be seen as a bit of a fun sponge. Um, just simply because of the the uninteractive nature of some of the the defensive elements. Okay, well let's let, let's get into that discussion. But before we do, I'd like to, you know, if somebody is thinking about playing Dark Angels, say we have a new player that, you know, they like they like uh, Dark Angels Green and they like uh, all the robes and the the cool aesthetic, which is what drew me into mm-hmm. them. What would you tell them about the new Codex and what their what are their strengths? And, and what would you be thinking about, at, you know, from a list design perspective? Obviously, you've kind of touched on the durability of the Death Guard, right? Or not Death Guard. <laughs> Death Wing. Yeah. Death Wing. Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Don't mind me. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd actually say uh, Death. Sorry, Dark Angels is probably the codex, apart from Necrons. Uh, Necrons and Dark Angels, I think, are the two codexes right now that have the best array of gears. As in, you can start and you can, you can make a list that is extremely fun interactive for all parties involved as in in gear one and you can gear up all the way to six being something like what i've brought which is it's just going to get points it's just going to get a score maybe it loses probably doesn't it's just going to go blah 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 um and you know it's, it's not not the funniest thing in the world but i think that, that that's what i tell them if you wanted to play dark angels the, the world's your oyster there is a list in there to, to meet whatever you want to play there is raven wing there is green wing there is death wing and all all of those three have a 
huge swathe of depth to them that you can really get get stuck into. John, John, Mr. Lennon and myself, we've uh, we've had uh, like week long chats about how to make green wing work, wing work, and it's it's really deep. There's a lot to it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. There is uh, that is one of the notable things about Dark Angels is that especially for a codex supplement, not even a true codex, mm. it has a lot of build options. Yeah. And uh, I expect that we're going to see a lot of different builds come out of the Dark Angel Codex. Um, you know, we may eventually get a single, you know, meta build the way that we have for, you know, like Scars or Pad for, Ult- for Ultramarines and Iron Hands for a while. But uh, there's definitely more options in the Dark Angel book than you see in an average supplement. Yeah, I think the I think the biggest deal about Dark Angels and why people are a little bit down on them is that they're meta warping a bit, especially seeing as they came off back to back with um with Death Guard. They're both two armies in which they they are the durability is, is pushed to such a degree, like eleven out of ten. They are meta warping, you know. Um, if you if you are John, if you were, if you were going to a a six round GT next weekend, you'd be you'd have to have a solution for Death Guard and a solution for Deathwing, wouldn't you? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, these, these are very much armies that you really want to keep track of uh but yeah you know that's uh, one of the reasons we're doing this right that's right so let's give you this list i've tantalized you long enough deathwing vanguard um starts off with hq being an interrogator chaplain with a jump pack he's gonna have the teeth of terror uh he's got watched as his warlord trait and then he's paying one cp for paragon of the chapter to take uh wise orator and then he's got uh mantra of strength canticle of hate so this isn't the super crazy choppy as choppy as you can make it interrogator chappy but for my purposes he's, he's more than good enough um next i have a blade god ancient just paying a cp for penitent of remembrance we all know what that does that's the, the minus one damage banner uh six blade guard veterans just straight up six of them 10 assault terminators five thunder hammer storm shields five between lightning claws and a teleport homer uh that times two so there's 20 of those for those at home uh then we've got a patrol detachment it's, we've got a we've got a lieutenant thing. We've got two Talonmasters in there. One of them being the Super Talonmaster, as I like to call him. Um, he's got Arbiter's Gaze and Brilliant Strategist, so he can keep himself in a Dev Doctrine for three turns of the game, and then have Ignore's Cover and always hit on twos. Um, and then the other one's just Bare Bones, and we'll talk about why that is later. I've got a regular Apothecary, and I've got a Deathwing Apothecary. Um, so th- this was a little bit of maybe you're scratching your head at that and we'll deep dive that in a minute and of course the deathwing apothecary is chief apothecary and selfless healer 10 infiltrators with a helix gauntlet so one unit of 10 uh infiltrators and then a single attack bike and that is 2000 points and i'm spending a huge swathe of cp at the start i'm really starting with five here i'm spending five pre-game Ooh. oh my goodness all right so let's let's go through it a little bit what would you say your overall strategy as the list is is it just to exist on objectives uh pretty much it's to exist it's to exist in two massive ridiculously strong spheres of influence which will in the majority of missions guarantee me a minimum of a 40 on primary um and in, in so doing just holding those two objectives it will guarantee me somewhere in the region of 30 to 45 points on secondaries um and this is the whole point is the whole point is to just exist um, and exist in such a way that you're imposing and in, in, in it's essentially extremely hard to dislodge. I don't know anything in the game that can reliably charge into this into one of these bricks that I chuck on an objective and think they're going to um, hold it over me. Maybe they can contest it with some shenanigans, which we might deep dive if we deep dive into a couple of counters. But just to, just to dive in and think you're going to remove models is an absolute mistake. Yeah. Now, I know that we've uh, we've talked about some of the you know, specific rules for Deathwing in a minute, but just give us the elevator pitch real quick. If you fully buff defensively one of these Terminator bricks, what is it actually looking like for someone who maybe hasn't fully experienced this on the table yet? Yep. 
So in all reality, most likely that whichever one I think is going to get targeted the most will be babysat by the minus one damage banner. That's on my Blade Guard Ancient. So and then when ticked up to the absolute nines, they're going to have a minimum of a one plus armor save on all the Thunder Hammers, four plus invulnerable save, permanent transhuman, minus one damage. And a six plus field nerf pain, and of course, it, I'll be bringing guys back with um, the selfless healer and or the other apothecary should I need. All right, so it sounds to me like we need about three thousand points to kill that. Cool. You do, you actually legitimately do, and that's if I don't have cover. If I've got cover, there's nothing I know of. I've been, sh I've had one of these things be shot at by three full units of retributors um, with Junith, and I've lost. I haven't even lost half the unit, and then other times, of course, I lose like eight of them. Um, but you know, the, the 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 fact that there's even any of the unit left is kind of ridiculous. All right, so you've just kind of baked the durability into this list. You know, you've got so many tough things here, and, and Dark Angels absolutely give you a lot of options. Um, and and really, is is that like? And I don't want to simplify it too much, but just the fact that no one can kill you is that just a, a really big part of your game plan? Just relying on the fact that honestly, no one's going to get this all done in one go. Hugely. So into in so like I said, this is this is designed for a team's environment. If I was to take this for a singles environment, maybe I would uh, MSU this out a little bit more, just so I can uh, play into my opponent's primary a little bit more. The only real concession I've made to that is a single attack bike. Um, is the only concession I've made to denying my primary my opponent points. Although there are a couple of other tools I'll probably go into, being that the second talent master and then the the choppy chaplain, um, and they're the only things I have to play into my opponent's scoreboard. Um, I've just invested in ridiculously. I've invested like seventeen hundred of my own points into my scoreboard. Um, and I think that's a good way of people thinking about it. It's a good core concept if you want to adopt it. What percentage of, and it's different for every faction, what percentage of my army do I need to invest into my score line? And what percentage can I invest into disrupting my opponents? Okay, so you say that you've invested a lot of points into your own scoreboard. What exactly does that mean? I'm, I'm guessing that you've got a little uh, roadmap planned out for... Uh, you know, what secondaries you're taking, what primary you're going to score every turn, yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, so essentially, even in the, the hold two missions, um, you know, hold two for five, hold, uh, et cetera, et cetera, there's a couple of tools in here that can be used um, really well to not overexpose myself and to plan those missions. But essentially, the, the whole gist of it is I take either Oath while we stand, um, what's the silly one, um, Defiant, Blah blah blah. The order defiance. defiance, um, and one of the, one, if not both of those, are probably just going to give me auto fifteens in a lot of cases. Um, and then the third one, either if, if if I've got a silly good mission one, that's the other one. If we're playing um, on a, a God forbid a, a four a four objective mission, I can play for Dom. I can play for Killmore. Essentially, because getting one kill from me is so ridiculously hard that all I need is for two Talon Masters to pick up. 10 guardsmen and i'm going to get kill more um but the, the the point is it's to make the most linear straight line graph of my expected scores um for for a team's environment and this this and i just read out that list guys if you were to take out th 300 of any of the points in this list and add in the 300 points of msu this would translate into a, a very good singles list yeah sounds like it um so what actually, uh, so you, you mentioned that this specifically goes into, you know, a team tournament. That's what you're building it for yeah. here. Um, what actually influences your decision making when you're kind of choosing between, you know, like a team tournament and a singles event? Um, what kind of like, th what thought process do you go for? Like, what would those, you know, maybe couple changes be like if you were looking at singles play? Yeah, so I, I really like the MSU attack bikes. Um, 
I think, or even the way you go with the John and just taking two or three units um, with two multi-melters or three, depending on the points. I like that addition into this. It gives me a, a lot of forward influence. And um, on top of that, they clear objectives ridiculously well. Uh, other people's objective holders, you've got multi-melters to go in and do a lot of heavy lifting into things like Mortarian if you need to. And then, you know, you clear out the Poxwalkers with the Bolter Shots as well. And uh, one thing that um, I've played a couple of games with, with your attack bike loadout now, I charge those guys, you know, Two games out of three, a couple of units of attack bikes at some point will probably charge into something, which is pretty cute, especially when you've got a little stasis shell to keep them safe. Um, I, into a game, I, I was against uh, three PBCs. He had some poxwalkers out. I'm like, I'm going to pin all three units of my attack bikes off these poxwalkers to keep them safe from the, the PBCs. It worked an absolute treat. <laughs> there you go. Stop the play with scrolls from shooting and profit. I like it. Mm. Yeah, there are a ton of tricks in this, uh, this Dark Angel list. Um, I absolutely love, you know, how you you built this for, um, you know, for a, a team event, because what you can usually do in a team event, and correct me if I'm wrong, if this isn't what you try to do here, is you take some of the, the strong elements in a singles list, and you usually put a lot of contingencies in. Mm. So you've got your core concept in a singles list. Like, you know, for me, it's in my Dark Angel list, is a unit of 10 Terminators, one Apothecary, and a Bladeguard Ancient. And then I build some other stuff in to make sure I don't get into a bad spot. And yeah. in a team format, I feel like you can afford to take that core concept, throw out the safety net, and just lean into it. Mm. And then trust the, the pairings process to keep you safe. Exactly. Is that right. kind of your mindset? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose, uh, coming back to what you said before, the, the second unit of Terminators is really the double down here. Um, for those who want to talk doubling down on a, on a core concept, if I was to make this, as I was turning this into a singles list, i say the second unit of Salt Terminators would probably come out. That would turn into two or even three units of Deathwing Command Squads, and I'd, then I'd add in my third Talon Master. I don't know, I know, John, you like two. I swear by three. If I can take a list with three Talon Masters in it, mwah, it always. I don't care what else the rest of the list is. I love it. Um, so I mean, I only I only uh, take two when I'm trying to have more CPs, right? So yeah. if I'm if I'm playing uh, Plasma Inceptors, for example, I'm trying to make sure I have more CPs available. Mm. Uh, stuff like that so it just depends on on the build right but i would love i would love to have three talent masters right yeah <laughs> it's never bad mm. it's yeah. never bad um so i that, only take yep go ahead so there is a bit of a masquerading element to this army um which have, has already caught a couple of people out during practice games there is a a massive propensity of this list to go msu um, people look at him and be like, oh, he's got 10 Termies, 10 Termies, 6 Blade Guard, 10 Infiltrators. And every second or third game, I will, I'll combat squad everything in my army. I'll have, and then all of a sudden I've got four units of Termies, two units of, of Vanguard Veterans, two units of Infiltrators. And the, the footprint and the sheer ability to really mess around with my opponent's play and to be everywhere, exist everywhere, say in a six objective mission, it really just scales up dramatically. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I can actually imagine that. Um... You know, a lot of people will probably go into this expecting it to be just the very big, slow brick. And, you know, sure, combat squatting doesn't really help the speed, but it helps you be in a lot more places at once. And again, you're still basically just as hard to remove at the end of the day. Yeah, very true. So also, let, me, yeah. let me ask a question, because I'm trying to think about how this list plays. And I can see the durability. I can see you existing on two objectives. Um, but as you say, you don't really have a lot of ways to reach out and touch mm -hmm. someone. You don't have insane charge rages. You don't have a lot of guns. You have some. I mean, Talon Masters obviously do a lot of work. But how do you prevent your opponent from outscoring you? Because if you score 85, that's great. But if they score 90, it doesn't really matter, right? That's true. And so that is to just iron. So this, like I said, team's environment. Um, 
if I'm getting 85s every single game, uh, and teams are usually done off a, a 0 to 20 differential, if they're scoring 95, I've essentially either tied that game, depending on if I've got like, you know, in a, within a couple of points, it'll be a 10-10 or an 11-9, in which case it, it kind of doesn't matter. It's, the game's a wash. Um, and so this, this list is both a stopper uh, a stopper that scores points. A lot of people will look at a defensive list or a shield list as something that will go in and they'll stop a very, very hard to kill list. Like each, let's say, um, John's White Scars. That'll be you, you, if I was playing in an army in a, in a team with that John's White Scars, I would be expecting that thing to come home with sixteen to twenty points most games, and I'd be pairing to try and get those things to happen. Um, but you know, you could have a list that gets 80, 85 points every game. My list gets eighty-five points every game. So even if you are, even if you play out of your skin incredibly, you're not getting a big win. You literally have to get a, you have to get a 100, um, and I get an 85, and that's the best possible win you can get, um, which isn't isn't really going to happen that often. No, nobody scores 100. I mean, unless your opponent's asleep at the wheel, right? Yeah, so. exactly right. Uh, so there's a lot. Of, so this list has been made with some assumptions in mind, um, assumptions about uh, terrain quality. As well, I, I think you guys, I think John picked up on it before, the unit of 10 infiltrators. Why 10 infiltrators with a, why 10 infiltrators with a, um, a helix? Um, it's it's for, for a couple of specific matchups. Things like sisters. Um, I wonder if you, you're able to describe how it works, John, if you know off the top of your head. Um, so with the helix adept, correct me if I'm wrong here, what the helix adept does is the first time you fail a save every uh, player turn, you count yep. as having passed it. And well, the yeah, the damage becomes zero. So the first fail, it becomes it becomes null and void. Um, so against things like sisters, um, I'm able to take that unit of ten infiltrators and use them for the defiant stand for the auto fifteen, which takes a huge weight off the rest of the army, not having to shackle an expensive unit of terminators to the back of the board. And then I get three massive spheres of influence because, of course, every single unit of terminators is a huge imposing brick. Um, the baby apothecary will babysit the ten infiltrators and. Because infiltrators being what they are, it means it's impossible for you to charge them from reserve with things like Repentia. And the Helix Gauntlet is there for, let's say you do get a nice little cheeky shot with a couple of multi-melters. The first one doesn't mean anything. Yep. And you've got a transhuman there because God knows you're not using it on anything else. Exactly right, man. Like, exactly right. And so between the baby, the baby, um, even even to things like um, Admech, and let's say you've got three uh, Disintegrators, um, sorry, Scorpius Disintegrators, Sitting in cover with 10 infiltrators with a 6-up feel no pain, I'll happily take them for the, that auto 15. Um, I'd happily take them. On top of that, they're, yeah. they're 250 points and they can be one of my Wawi stands. And then I can I can um, split them up to combat squad them or stick them together depending on where I'm going to get the most mileage from the defensive buffs or if I need the the um, the denial bubble. But yeah, I, I'm actually finding a unit of 10 infiltrators to be really, really sick. Yeah, and uh, I gotta you know give a shout out here. I love using Phobos units for that role because when it comes down to it, you do have smoke grenades. Where yes. I know you don't have a ton of command points, but if you really need to funnel them in, you can make this unit minus one to hit as well as transhuman. Yep. No one really wants to put the effort into that, just like the rest of this list. Exactly right. Um, and on top of that, there's a couple of other bonuses for the infiltrators. Um, they're actually quite good on Overwatch. They're not the worst, but any six to hit is an auto wound. Things like Repentia trying to sling themselves across the board. A unit of 10 infiltrators in Overwatch will kill like two or three of them. Um, and that means like you're, like the shackles are kind of off when they get into combat through a transhuman. They're not going to kill 10 infiltrators. Like it's, just, it's probably just not going to happen. Hitting on fours, wounding on fours with only like five or six um, sisters. 
And so it, it becomes very freeing, especially through the six up, feel no pain. Um, so yeah, the unit of team of trades I quite like is the package deal. Um, they they really kind of round things out nicely. Some people have scratched their heads over about the um, the blade guard veterans. Oh, why aren't they more terminators? It's just points. They just it's just points. <laughs> they're stupid. They're so point efficient for how durable they are. And them, I think we've talked about this as well, John. Them more than anything else um, gets the best bang for your buck from the Devastator Doctrine for Deathwing, yeah? Yes, absolutely. With no Lightning Claws built in, uh, getting reroll wounds against characters and uh, lo- large uh, wound models, right? Yeah, anything over eight wounds, essentially. Very cool. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, uh, so and a lot of games, if I'm going to combat squad anything, it'll be them. And I like having them being my fringe units. Like I've got my brick, two bricks of Terminators, and then the Blade Guard, and maybe two units of five Infiltrators, depending on the secondaries I pick. Go and play for objectives. Between that, possibly one of the Talon Masters rolling around with him, it's actually a pretty imposing um, like mini brick. Okay, very nice, very nice. You know what? I honestly like that a lot. Yeah, I, I like this list a lot as well. But yeah, like I said, it's not the most, it's not the funnest thing. I could, I'm expecting people to deploy across from me and just be like, I'm staying here. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, what a coincidence. I'm staying here also. <laughs> yeah. But now in the team format, that's actually what you kind of want to happen, isn't it? Yes, because I want very linear. I want the best thing you can do in a team's environment is be consistent upon what you predict the score lines are going to be. Right. Yeah, and I see what I see what your list is designed to do now. I think I got a handle on it. So let's say somebody is playing a list that nobody else on your team really wants any part of, mm-hmm. and say that and just this is hypothetical, but let's just say everybody on your team red lights it and feels like they're going to give up a big win to this list. Yeah. You can be like, "Ta-da! I will jump on that grenade." Yeah, and right. they may beat me, but they're not going to beat me by much. Even if if they do, we're probably mm-hmm. going to tie. They're not, so yeah, exactly, uh, they're not going to beat me by enough right. to damage the team. Yep. Yeah. And um, I got it. Now. Hell, I might even beat them. Like I've people. I've got a couple of guys who in my team who struggle with like Mortarian trying to figure out what if he does this, what if he does this, what if he takes this or does this. Um, I'm like, oh, just give him to me, man. I've, I've, yeah. Has any have, uh, John? Have you had Mortarian into Deathwing Terminators yet? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> he kills like two guys if he's lucky. <laughs> I haven't had the joy of that one yet, unfortunately. As much as I would like to. Yeah, it's a bit tragic for Morty, actually, that that um, combination. I mean, we don't kill him either. Like, he turns off our re-rolls, and we're like, oh, well, I guess we're here forever. But uh, you're upset he's not, and it's pretty pretty cute, really. Yeah, now, uh, we're getting a little bit into team theory here, but I'm, I'm going to dive into it, uh, since you have uh, quite a bit of experience in team format events, as I recall. Um, now, do you think that this is the best use of Space Marines? Because, you know, Space Marines are considered relatively high power, a lot of people would, you know, kind of like you mentioned, think of using a white scar list as like a, a go-get points list. Do you think it's uh, really important to have a list like this in a team format that's specifically designed to, uh, uh, we always uh, call it a torpedo list in uh, yeah. teams, where it's designed to find your opponent's battleship and just bring it right down to the bottom. Well, so this is, the, this is, I guess, what is the stupid thing about this list. I get to have my cake and eat it too. Usually if I was creating a shield list, I've, I've, I've gone to ETC with shield lists before, the 120 guardsmen that are all going to have a 5-plus invulnerable save from a custody banner that can go to a 3-plus invuln with the right buffs, etc., etc., backed up by a huge swathe of line-of-sight shooting. And I've taken that. I went 4-2 and two at ETC at the highest level. Um, and But see, that was a list that didn't get a lot of points but didn't give up any. This one gives up zero but still gets a huge amount of points. That And that's kind of the issue, I think, with it. It's playing a stupid, non-interactive, defensive game but still getting 85s. Like... You probably shouldn't be able to do that to like not interact with my opponent and get eighty-five points. 
Right on. So not only is this like a shield list that you can use to take your opponent's best punch and, uh, you know, keep it even, you can still go pair into a normalist and just try to go yeah. for a big win. Yeah, so it's, it, we had a, we had a lot of chats about because um, there are a couple of other Space Marine players in my team. Uh, one of those being Jeremy Marigold, who's like probably in my mind equal best or best um, Death Watch player in the world. Like he has, he's played them phenomenally um, and done exceptionally well. And so we had a, me and him had a big back and forth about where, like you know, do we want to do this? Because I was I was willing to take guard instead of this and um, really push the envelope on kind of an MSU mech guard and just see what i could do scoring points wise and we decided to go this route as well because we wanted to take sisters and we feel like sisters does what you're talking about john what we want the space marines to do sisters can also do which frees up the space marines to do something like this yeah i love getting that dual role out of them especially in a team format you want players who can be flexible but when you need them to be consistent and get the job done no, there's not, not anything quite as reliable as Dark Angels right now. Exactly. It's the the plotability the, and the fact that... So when you're sitting down and like writing a, a team's list, you're like, what is the best list in the game? Because the most likely the best faction in the game is going to be represented... Like it, It's the same as if you were going to a GT. I don't want to talk this specifically only through the, the lens of a team's event. If you were going to a GT, you sit down and you think about what's the best list in the game now? And either you should either be playing that list or playing something, if you, well, if you expect to win, depending on what your expectations are. You should be playing something that has a game against it. And so we were sitting there thinking, well, it's like the Dark Angels Codex just came out. No one's had enough time to crack it, to have a legitimate counter. We'd probably be stupid not to take it. Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I've i got to be honest with you. If we had a team tournament coming up here in the United States that I was planning to attend, you know, in the next uh, couple of weeks, we would, uh, we'd be talking about Dark Angels, no doubt about it. Yeah, and I suppose that's that's where we're coming from with that. Like the fact that the sheer unknown quantity of the Dark Angels, people not having enough time to get a legitimate workarounds. We're starting to see some come up, and maybe we'll talk about that in part two, John, like with theorycraft, some ways to crack my own list, because I, I want to know how to crack it. <laughs> most, <laughs> most, of, most of it so I can build around those in the future, and also because I just, I would like that knowledge to be out there. I don't, don't want the game to be held down or suffocated like Iron Hands were. Um, not that I think the Dark Angels are as bad. No, I don't think they're at that level. But uh, I tell you what, they are looking pretty strong right now. Mm. Um, uh, in the vernacular of my vernacular, I would say they're playable. Yeah, well, I guess the, the fun, the, the fact that they're inter, non-interactive but don't reach out and smash you in the face does mean that your opponent gets to play a five-turn game. Whereas Iron Hands was like, I'm going to reach out and smash you in the face. And you're not going to get to play a five-turn game. Like you're going to start with two thousand points, and you're going to end turn one with like three hundred points of your two thousand points, which <laughs> I've had happen to me. Uh, but yeah, I suppose the fact that it's it's not interactive in that you you're you've got every single impediment to wanting to interact with me that you could possibly have. There's every single speed bump to you being effective. Um, uh, if you want, um, I'm happy to go into talking about why I chose things like a Deathwing um apothecary instead of a ravenwing apothecary well let's let's go through a lot of your choices right sure? so um we can might as well start with the apothecaries or if you want to start with all of your hqs um we can maybe start there or you know wherever you want to go yeah sure so um I, me and john have talked about this as well i've been talking about me and john talking about things a bit so maybe i'll drop that but uh the smash chappy i'm I'm a little bit two ways on him. Sometimes I think he is uh, ridiculously good. And in this army, I like having something that moves. Well, so in this army, he functions as the third talent master. 
um, to all intents and purposes. Usually in my in my list and a lot of the ways, I'll have one Tullamaster master that I'll be like, here's the guy who I can't let die. Here's the guy that maybe might have to die. And here's the guy who I'm happy to sacrifice should it get me a big swing on the points. Like, um, I don't know, John, you, you probably don't think, feel the same way. You're a bit more defensive than I am. But I'm more than happy to sling out an apothecary, so sling out a, a, a talent master, clear you off in objective and give you a five on primary or a 10. If, you were, if, I, had, if I got a 10, I need to hold you to a 10 as well. I'm happy to do that. Um, and then there's some things you can do once you do that. Like I chuck him into dev doc, advance him so he's got a four plus um, invulnerable save, et cetera, at least when he gets shot back. And then, of course, he's cool for the, the one CP minus one to hit strat because he's advanced. Um, so there's things I'll, I'll be happy to do with one of my Talamasters like that. And the apothe- the, um, the Shappy functions kind of like that in this list. On top of that, he brings the watch stratagem, which I don't know about the meta over, if you guys have been paying, to the, paying attention to the meta over, over here, but we have a lot of Chaos Terminators that are getting auto charges from reserve and, ma- and like turning off prescience on them, they, it really changes how many guys they kill. Like turning off things like prescience, turning off and denying warp times, Hell, denying a miasma on Morty or the plus, um, the plus uh, aura, the plus contagion on him to start to hopefully let my terminators move better for a turn or two to let me get points is actually a big deal. And um, I think in a team's event, watched is is too good to leave on the shelf, and, in, and probably in most cases, watched is too good to leave on the shelf. Uh, yeah. And just to confirm for someone who's uh, maybe not following along with uh, what watch does. Correct me if I'm wrong, it is a deny the witch once per game that does not have a range limit and automatically passes, no need to be rolled. What a wallet trade. Correct. So at any point in the game, you can just be like, oh, I'm going to Twilight Pathways this unit of 10 Harlequin Troop into your face because um, otherwise I'm going to lose and I can just watch that um, and stop them doing it entirely. And who knows, maybe they've moved out of cover to try and get that off and that lets the Talon Masters pick up the, the unit of Harlequins in return. I think the brilliant part about the watched is more what it forces your opponent mm. to do because it is a once per game, right? Mm-hmm. But your opponent has to keep that in the back of their mind for every strategy yes. that they want to play. And so holding on to that and just the threat of it actually has a bigger impact than actually stopping the one work time well, or stopping the, the one presence you know or whatever i actually played a practice game against gray knights um the other day and gray knight terminators sorry gray knight paladins uh they're actually got really good profiles for shredding um deathwing terminators better than better than most um the flat two damage on the storm bolters and things like the d3 plus ones on the um on the the silences and they're not wasting a huge amount of rend as well they're just getting a bucket of shots each they're actually quite good now there was a turn in the game where he got me down to i think three deathwing terminators left of my unit of 10 and had he been able to kill one more he would have been able to start putting shots into my characters and so the next turn um i turned off his astral aim <laughs> and he couldn't shoot my paladin he couldn't shoot my terminators anymore and so i ended up resing one that turn and i res myself back up to um, five guys before i got to shoot again and that ended up being a huge swing Oh, that's just impolite. Yeah, well, in response, because I turned off the astral aim, and he he kind of knew it was coming because I told him it was probably going to happen because we were playing a back and forth game. I wanted to see what he wanted to do to work around it. He held the gate until after I denied the astral, and then he tried to gate out. And um, but I was using the uh, the infiltrators too well that he couldn't really get good line of sight anyway. He had to shoot into other stuff. Mm. Nasty, um, nasty, nasty. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. All right. Well, um, tell me about this. Uh, I know you mentioned that Chapman a little bit. You said you use him as a as a little bit as like a disposable Talmaster. I kind of want to hear a little more about that. What exactly does he have, and why did you give it to him? I know we know Watched is awesome. Yeah. But, so uh, what else is this man packing? He's also got Wised Orator, and um, of course he's got you know his 
super chappy, etc. Um, he's got mantra strength, canticle of hate, so he's self-buffing, of course. He's got teeth of terror, so he's got a hell a latest amount of attacks. So on the charge, he's got four because he's a um, he is a interrogate chaplain, five for shock assault, plus three for the teeth of terror, and plus one for um, is it is for mantra of strength. And so he's going to have like nine attacks hitting on twos. Um, he's actually very good when he gets to the strength. Um, he gets to the strength six, and then uh, flat three damage. And of course, he can reroll to wound because he's a death wing. He's also um, a prime candidate for a certain stratagem, line unbreakable. So use a stratagem at the start of the fight phase. Select one Dark Angels infantry unit from your army till the end of that phase. That unit can only be selected as a target for melee attacks if the attacking model is within engagement range of it. Um, so that is in something within half an inch. Now, because he's on a um, he's on a he's a fly. He's got twelve inch move for being having a jump pack, and he has all the pluses to charge and things, and the consolidates and the pylons. He can do a hell of a lot of shenanigans to deny getting attacked back. And he also has a four plus invulnerable save, and he's permanent transhuman. Oh, that's just nasty. Yeah, having a character that you have to get really close to attack can really limit some big unit's ability to kill him. And often with these big tough, you know, this big spaceman characters, you just try to drown them in dice. That is. Such a clever little answer for that. Yeah, and so things like uh, Orc Boys, like legitimately, you could mob one of my objectives with uh, probably two units of Orc Boys and kill enough models to possibly contest it or take it off me if I've got you know Terminators on it. But then this this guy goes out and he charges like the the barest flank, gets within point one you know point nine inches away from one guy on the far left of your unit of thirty boys, and you know. With his pile and consolidate being the the plus extras for the, the the litany, he can you know do some crazy shenanigans with the pylons and consolidates after he's probably killed uh, five or six dudes with his um, teeth of terror, and then um, yeah, just make you pile away from where you want to be, um, and then when you do, you barely attack with any of the unit. Ooh, nasty! All right, that's a really cool tool piece there. Yeah, it's really cute in conjunction with uh, line unbreakable. I suppose I should jump straight into the the second one of those, which is the reason I took the Deathwing Apothecary. So, for no reason whatsoever, the Ravenwing and Deathwing Apothecaries both have six inch range, feel no pain auras, and bring dudes back auras. It's actually there's no reason for that. I can't tell you a reason. We just went to better medical school. I think that was a joke me and uh, Mr. Lennon did on my podcast. <laughs> Deathwing, like Dark Angels Medical School, is is far superior to to regular Space Marine Medical School. Um, Clearly. And so he's the second fiddle for that. So let's let's same example. Orcs being another great one. Um, using line unbreakable on him into something like orcs or demonettes or a bunch of things that have a low low amount of rend or will go into a two plus where a two plus save is really good. He's another really good stopper um, used into hordes. And as you guys know, Australia horde meta things like um necron warriors, things like scarabs. He can just go in there if I can. I'll charge two units and put him on the the tail end of both units and just try and keep them there as long as I can. All right. I like that a lot. And then um, let me see here. Um, I have to ask, um, you mentioned that you like having one disposable Talmaster, one not, yep. and you, one of them has uh, Arbiter's Gaze. Is that the more or less disposable? It's the less disposable one. Um, he's going to boot scoot. Um, he's my boot scooting baby. He's going to have um, possibly three turns of Devastator Doctrine. And for those who don't know the the kind of jank combination here, Arbiter's Gaze is a piece of special issue war gear I've spent a CP for in this army. And what it lets you do is always hit on twos. 
um, and ignore cover and overwatch on twos. Now, you would think that would make him disposable, the always overwatch on twos, but I like having the three turns of the Devastator Doctrine and because he's the best thing that's going to get me a kill every turn, especially if I've taken something like Killmore or Oath. Um, so... The other one is the one that's generally disposable. I don't know. There's a couple of... You might, maybe you've seen some of my stream games, but turn three, I will usually start slinging um, Talamasters out to mess your primary up. And because usually a lot of the time, um, you know, you've spent... Hopefully you spent so much effort putting all your anti-tank into my things like Blade Guard and Terminators that the Talamasters have been able to pick them up in return. Um, but where the, the combo with Arbiter's Gaze and... Um, brilliant strategists come into it is that for three turns of the game i can keep that talamaster in devastator doctrine eg he can advance which plus three to his advance and usually he'd take a negative one for that for the the raven wing the second company bonus but because of arbiter's gaze he always hits on twos so this guy goes like well he just goes <laughs> he just goes wherever he wants all right now see when i actually i actually use my arbiter's gaze guy as the more disposable one um for the exact same reasons um i like that he can advance far so usually on turn three Kind of that last turn, he's going to get a, a free round of, um, you know, Devastator Doctrine from a Warlord trait, if I stay tactical, that is. Uh, that's usually the turn where I decide to advance him maybe a little bit away from the Protective Shield, just to get maximum value out of him. Because I know that if anyone comes to try and charge him, it's actually going to take a lot of effort, and he is going to just, you know, overwatch on twos, take a chunk out of them, you know, before you remove. He's kind of like a barbed hook that way. Well, do I, that. however... Do give that guy obsec with rights of war, mm. and sometimes I'll use that as a sacrifice yes. play. Yes, and so there was a couple of consider challenge me to go ahead and contest that on that. There is a couple <laughs> of things that I made as value judgments. As you as you can see, I've spent five CP pregame, um, and you looked at what you said might actually be legitimately better. Um, the thing is, though, I don't have the I don't always have the CP to Overwatch. That's actually a legitimate thing for me. I don't always have the CP to Overwatch. I was starting with five. Um, and just a lot of times, like, especially if my second apothecary is supporting a different block, a different bubble, that's the bubble that would get invested in. Like so far in my game, people are like, okay, so that guy reses for free. That guy doesn't res for free. At least I'll make you cost some, at least I'll make you spend some resources to get guys back and they'll invest in that, that side of the board, that brick of my army. Um, so sometimes I'm spending a CP every turn. My free CP every turn um, that I get is just to bring a Terminator with a Storm Shield back from that brick. Um, so essentially I'm always on five and then, you know, I've got line unbreakable. I've got a couple of other jank pieces and like, you know, smoke screen and trans transhuman on the 10 man, um, infiltrator things. I don't always have a CP for overwatch. And so that was my, really my consideration there. Ah, uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe I'm just getting used to having a uh, free Marines growing back from my apothecary. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the pay everything up front list. This is the don't leave anything in the bank. Um, and it shows like, I don't have rights of war, man. Um, but that's the thing. That's why I took and doubled down on the obsec portions. That's why I've got 20 Terminators, essentially. Um, so I've got 20 obsec Terminators already, which I can split into doubles. So I can have um, four squads of obsec Terminators. And of course, I've got a single brick of, of 10 Infiltrators, which I can split into two. So that's really like that's really the obsec components. I thought if I ever needed more than that, um, you know, I'm probably playing correctly. All right. I like it a lot. You know, that makes a lot of sense. You know, and because you've got all those Terminators and have 20 permanently transhuman terminators frankly I, i'm not planning to kill that with any of the lists that i currently own um i don't know who really is and you know if you've got your obsec there maybe rights of war isn't needed yeah well i suppose the only thing that that the rights of war would significantly benefit is if i could give it to the blade guard blade guard like with rights of war is a magnificent combo especially if that's on a, a blade guard ancient giving it to them so they're also hitting on twos um 
you know, with all the goodness of the ancient and their um, obsec as well. It makes them really rid- a ridiculous 35 points, essentially. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very just value town. Yeah, value town indeed. Um, so, yeah, jumping down the rest of the list. So, yeah, that second Talon Master. And like I said, the turn three, I like to get my Talon Masters in the game. I like to jump them out um, and start taking away stuff that's on objectives. And so, you know, sometimes that'll... Uh, sorry, and that, that goes back to um, the choices on the chaplain i've got the the extra the bonus charge i've got the bonus pile in um so there are legitimate turns where i will be just pushing terminators into your face let's say it is a, a six objective mission and you're gonna you're gonna you know possibly be playing for one of mine pushing into one of mine and messing with my primary i can just start slinging terminators into you i can just start you know getting possibly even 15 of my 20 terminators going into your face um with extra charges etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh where that doubles down is with uh, what I said about the Talamasters on turn three, I really like to to push, especially if uh, what's happened in a couple of games, people are like, okay, well, I'm never going to move in this game. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, that's nice to know. <laughs> so turn three, you haven't moved yet. Ah, I guess it's my time to shine. Off we go, boys. And everything starts moving and advancing. Um, and so it actually is a thing. I was, even, I was even tossing up putting the plus one advance, plus one to charge banner in here and freeing up the canticle to be a plus one to wound on one of the Talon Masters. Would you think that would be better, John? Ooh, um, honestly, I actually like your, uh, I think I just like your, your choice of, uh, canicles as is mm. actually, um, as much as I, you know, man, man, strength really good. If you're making him a melee load up, I just can't give up chemical of hate. Um, especially with some of the tricks that you've got, yeah. um, like the teleport homers, especially I love, I love the teleport homers combined with <laughs> chemical of hate. Uh, can, you, can we can we talk about that? Yeah. Can you guys break that down for our newer players and sort of the the technical aspects of that? Sure, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so a teleport homer is something that you purchase for five points, along with any I guess any non faction specific terminators. So once per game, you can essentially redeploy the terminators in the so it's, they go up and then they come down the following turn, don't they? Um, yep. Yeah. And so, and when they come down, they can come um, each, essentially into your deployment zone or within three of a uh, friendly model and then nine inches away from your opponent, of course. But if that's the chaplain, he can be giving them plus two to charge. And so they can have a seven-inch charge from reserve. And so what that's, what that's really cute is that if someone's playing very passively into me and I'm pretty much of the opinion that they don't have enough time to come into me now, like it's, it's the start, like the, I'm going second on turn four, I push the terminators up into, re, into reserve at the you know, bottom of turn four, Top of turn five, they come down next to my chappy. We charge in and we try and go for the 15 on the primary in the last turn. It really, it's very freeing. On the other side of things, it's also really cute when you take while we stand, we fight. Um, so what we do is uh, when you split, when you combat squad your unit of, of 10 terminators, you have to decide which one of the five gets the, gets the teleport homer. And so, of course, you, you combat squad them into like three, three or four thunder hammers and one or two lightning claws if you're going to do this play. Five of them sit at home on an objective, probably supported by an apothecary, and the other five work up the board to try and make some things happen. If they'll be supported by some infiltrators or some blade guard, like five terminators, three blade guard, and maybe a talon master in each kind of brick, it's kind of terrifying to a lot of armies. Um, really kind of imposing, and the amount of resources you need to, to to use to account for is generally more than you're you're willing to expose. Um, and so they'll work up the flanks. And let's say you do. Let's say you're like, oh, wow, okay, there's, here goes my three unit of repenture or my two units of three mortifiers into that unit. And I lose four of them. I just pull them out. You know, I pull them out with the, the, the teleport homer and deep strike them back into my, my deployment zone and save the points. Right on. I love that. Um, man, these, uh, 
I'm actually, you know, I got to point something out here because I've been working on my own Jenkins to teleport homer. Do it. If you combat squad, you actually don't have to pick which one has the teleport homer. It's I'll just that it. only one of the two ones can use it. So once one uses it, the other one can't. But That's the teleport right. homer doesn't choose which side it goes on until <laughs> it gets used. Oh, man. Okay. That's That's gross. That is vile. That is, that is, that is wrong. Yeah, it is. A lot of levels. But I like That's, it. So shouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, we'll take it. But <laughs> well, there you go. This is a fun sponge, after all. It is, like I said, this all is right. the fun sponge. Um, Let's talk about other things that you considered for the list. Sure. Like, what didn't make the cut? Uh, a lot of things. Like I said, um, uh, Ezekiel didn't make the cut, and I suppose we can talk. Me and John can talk about that for quite a bit, can't we? Yeah, that was uh, one of the questions I was going to ask, because I kept scrolling and checking detachments to see which mm-hmm. one he was in, yeah. and uh, he wasn't. Tell so me about it. I wanted the option to take a ball, and I decided it was enough of a thing that uh, I wanted Sorry, I wanted the option to take a ball, and I wanted to be free to take uh, Watched as well. In the final list, I was still free to take it, because I had the Blade Guard Ancient to pick up Watched if I needed to, but... I have enough Grey Knight players, like, I have like enough good Grey Knight players and enough good Demon players that I was like, taking a boar is just actually kind of good in the pairings process. Like, and this was this was after I'd played those games against Grey Knights and saw that, wow, Grey Knights can actually kill my stuff. I was like, okay, but yeah, if you just take a boar, they kill your stuff, you kill them back, it's a wash. Um, and you can gain advantage there. Um, even though a boar isn't great, if it's still a comfortable 10, comfortable 12 points, it's probably worth taking because I'll be getting, to, essentially I'll be getting probably two 15s anyway. And so that's that's more than enough to put me over the top. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, now that you say that, that actually you know kind of belies a very uh, intimate knowledge of the pairing process. I haven't thought about that because, well, frankly, I, I don't pair like Grey Knights very often. But if I had a Grey Knights player on my team, I'd be going through every list, finding who had one astropath, one yes. inquisitor, one yep. sorcerer, and throw the gray knights out to deny them Dead that secondary. Freaking set every time it's uh, it, it would be a yellow, except you can't take a boar. Now it's a green. Um, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was just kind of better for us to have that option. Um, Ezekiel with the deny. So uh, Ezekiel got a little worse for me when I didn't take rights of war. Um, and I'm sure, John, you know why. The inability yeah. to sling something that is obsec um, and then turn off obsec means that kind of his best play wasn't there already. Right on. That makes a lot of sense. Very, uh, a lot of decisions, you know, kind of building a Dark Angel list feels like setting up dominoes. Where yeah. Once you make one decision, a lot of other ones are impacted. Exactly. I didn't have the quick things to make his, you don't have, you don't have obsec, but these three blacks do 36 inches, boys. My, my objective, goodbye primary. Not being able to do that. Um, fights last. Was it was a huge consideration though, and having the ability to make something flight last. Also had the eye of the unseen in here as an option as well, um, because Morty's a thing, and making Morty fight last if he was to charge one of my unit of ten terminators, I thought would be a big deal until I played Morty and realized he doesn't kill enough for me to care about anyway. If that makes sense, there isn't a character. If you're tough enough, you'll be there to fight anyway. Exactly, there isn't a character without. So without a null zone, which I have watched for, or a death act, which I have watched for, without those, I, there is an actual character in the game that I'm worried enough about um, charging my terminators to kill enough. Um, I suppose that's if there is any indictment of how ridiculously defensible this army is. That's probably it. Um, and so, yeah, the, the the chappy won out, and he's 10 points more expensive. He kills a lot better, but he debuffs a lot worse. I suppose that's the other thing as well. Um, the debuffing options, uh, when I build, when you build a list that you, where you're, not kind of, you're kind of not scared of anything, making your opponent's stuff worse doesn't really matter as much. 
Yeah, you made yourself so tough that you don't even care what your opponent does. Making them work, well, frankly, doesn't change your game plan at all. Mm. I, 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 the last thing I'll say is I wanted an aggressive element. This this list doesn't have a lot of aggressive elements, um, and just having one thing, like if if it's gonna if it's gonna st- you know cause a like I said before, cause a, a ten or a, a five on priming that was going to be a fifteen or whatever to just throw my my interrogator chaplain in, onto an objective and kill five intercessors, I can do it. I can't. You can't do that with Ezekiel. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Honestly, I love it a lot. Awesome. That was cool. I was just going to say, Adam, I love it, but you're wrong. <laughs> you're still better. Oh. And look, in this in this setting specifically, I think the interrogator chaplain is better. I, I would say like nine times out of 10 in every other list, Zeke is just hands down. Why aren't you taking him? Um, next one, I suppose... Um, I suppose we've already talked about the Talamasters, already talked about the, the Deathwing Apothecary. Um, the second Apothecary, have you ever run a list with two Apothecaries? I have not. Uh, the biggest thing I can think of is you get a third heal, although one of them is only D3, but with how many, you know, the, the number of wounds your models have, that's not a huge deal. But getting a second six up film of pain aura, I can only imagine that's part of it. That's literally why. That is literally why. I wanted the second sphere of influence from the Apoth, um, so I could legit split up and not leave a weak point. Um, it's it's I, I'm trying to present a unified front, like a whole everything is homogenous. There is no real place you can attack where you're going to get better return, apart from me having to spend CP to res rather than not spending CP to res. Does that make sense? Yeah, but as long as you're willing to commit that, it's not even that big of a deal. As long as you've already written it off in your head, you're not paying anything extra. Yes, exactly. For me, it's no big deal, but for my opponent, it might, it might seem to be the better value. And it's the, it is the obvious better value if you can isolate one of these. And so having the second Apoth was actually kind of a revelation to me. It let the the kind of shackles be off. I wasn't quite as deterred by, uh, if you if I don't have a good terrain and... Um, uh, if I, yeah, if I don't have good terrain and you have blah, 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 then I have to leave 10 termies at home. Um, you know, it, it really let me split up a lot more and have an apothecary with 10 termies, um, deafening apothecary with 10 termies, or, you know, six blade guard and five intercessors and apothecary. And that's my that's my defensible home objective, which is which is still less like the, less points than a unit of 10 terminators. Um, two, 210 for the six blade guard and 120. So yeah, 330 rather than 385 for the Terminators, you know? Um, and with Apothecary, that's still like ridiculously hard for a lot of people to shoot. You can't deep strike onto it and charge it. Like it's, yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah. So I was looking to build in ways that meant like didn't have to leave Terminators at home, so to speak, for the Auto 15 on um, Defiance Stand or whatever it is, Stubborn Defiance, blah, 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 whatever. I am stubborn, her der 15 points. Um, so I was just looking for ways to not have to use that for Terminators if I didn't have to. All right, you know what? Uh, honestly, you're li- I like the way uh, you approach this point. Uh, you know, you definitely had some interesting choices in here, but frankly, you've made it all make sense to me. Yeah, I I don't know if they're the right choices, but I can make the think sounds. I can make the thinking sound good. Um, <laughs> we'll know at the end of the event whether it was the right call. And uh, the attack bike, I had forty five points left at the end. I'm like, ah, oh, single attack bike. There we go. <laughs> well, an attack bike is never a bad thing, right? It's fast enough, and there's enough things you can do with it. You can you can make some plays with it. So, well, what I really like for it is in games where I don't want to take while we stand, I take oath of moment, and it's my first turn oath of moment because it moves advance four plus invulnerable saves oath of moment for turn one. Uh, because sometimes like terminators just don't roll a good enough advance to make it, or it's not that mission. Yeah, okay, you know, that that does make sense to me. And you know, honestly, there are still some instances where it can contest things. Or, you know, if you need to stop someone from raising a banner, there's having a cheap disposable unit 
probably never a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. And it, it did feel bad when I got to the end of this list and realized I hadn't chucked in anything cheap or disposable, like kind of nothing's the most disposable thing I have in my army is six blade guard. That kind of felt awkward. Um, uh, because legitimately, yeah, I'd like the the in in the vast majority of the games, the ten infiltrators are not disposable at all. I'm going to need them. Um, so yeah, like I needed, I just needed a piece to just uh, be redundant at times. Right on. I like it. Okay. Yeah. yeah you know what? Having a cheap unit makes sense to me. Fair enough. All right. It's about that time of the podcast where we get ready to move on to part two, where we're going to talk about matchups and individual stratagems and and how you take apart your opponent's army with this army. But before we get there, we've got to take a moment and thank our sponsors, the Frontline Gaming Network. You guys might have noticed that we're no longer running ads, and that's because um, FLG is sponsoring the podcast now. And so we've got to take a moment to tell, talk to you guys about the Express Pass. John, have you heard about this Express Pass? As a matter of fact, I've already got mine. Fantastic. You want to tell everybody at home what it gets you? A hundred percent. So this Fast Pass, which you can find on uh, Frontline Gaming's website, basically gets you a ticket to three Frontline Gaming events. And that is basically COVID proof. It's through the end of the year and through 2022. So any three Frontline Gaming run events, you're going to be able to sign up in advance and have your ticket paid for by purchasing this fast pass you're going to save a lot of money uh it's going to end up saving you i think about 30 percent off compared to if you had bought three tickets individually but the best part is that you get it you're able to reserve your ticket before you even uh before they even go live so if you have an event you know something like las vegas open it always sells out immediately let's say las vegas open 2022 you can use one of the slots on your fast pass and you can just boom Get a ticket to the Las Vegas Open before they even have a chance to sell out. Guarantee your spot, save a little bit of money. What's not to love? Yep. And not only that, we should point out Frontline Gaming is really stepping up and organizing a lot more mm. events than you're used to. They're running a team event. They've got an event in Atlanta. I think they've got one in New Orleans, maybe. Uh, they've got more that are going to be announced. I mean, there is there's just tons of Frontline Gaming sponsored events coming to a city near you so the other great thing about this pass is you you're going to be able to use it like john said it's it's good to the end of 2022 but there's going to be enough events where you're probably going to go through a couple of them in a year pretty easy if you want honestly i wanted to buy a second pass yeah i'm actually kind of keen on it as well mostly so part of me just thinks i should just support frontline gaming and i i I want to put that out there if you are an active tournament player if you love competitive gaming if you love any of the the sway the podcast on the frontline gaming network grab one of these passes um it's just good to support the the guys that support us hell competitive 40k may not exist in the 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 mode it does now without guys like frontline gaming so i think they deserve all the support because they put in all the work Okay. You heard it here first, folks. Well, you probably heard it here uh, five or six times this week, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the point of the podcast where I tell you all you should subscribe to our, our Patreon or join us on the theartofwar40k.com, where you can subscribe to both Adam's podcast, uh, Art of War Down Under, Oof. and our podcast. And get a two for uh, and get a little bit of a discount, which is nice. But anyway, normally in part two is the part where we go into individual matchups. We're going to talk about how this Dark Angels list plays into all the big boys in the meta, all the boogeyman. We'll talk about Death Guard. We'll talk about well, we'll talk about them all. We'll talk about the <laughs> Space Marines. We'll talk, talk about Harlequins. You know, we 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 hit them. We hit them all across the board. Well, so we might. Uh, so I'm going to throw a spanner in the works right here. We might flip this and talk about how we can build lists into mine. 
rather than talking about how this, this plays into things. Because I think that's actually going to, like, far more people, I think, want to hear that than want to hear me talk about her, her, sit on two objectives, get 85 points. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Okay. I guess we'll do that. All right, everyone. Patrons, we'll see you on episode two. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Art of War podcast. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.